0: day after the first day of the week. We got through Monday, you're on to Tuesday, and uh, you know, everything just, just gets a little bit better every day. However, I would caution you on this. I make these jokes, but we got to live every single day, you know? There's, there's good in every single day, and that was something that my mom used to uh, preach to me. She'd say, Kent, don't wish your life away. Don't count out those days that happen in between the weekends and uh so i'd encourage you to do the same right especially since hunting season's coming up soon but uh since it's tuesday you know the routine now it's a pick and bones day and uh we i'm trying to think the last time the last controversial pick and bones we had i think was when we talked about uh the ethics of bow fishing um so Mm -hmm. we've we've had a few here that um, haven't really been, uh, you know, like, uh, um, real controversial stuff. So we're probably due for that soon. However, you're going to have to wait a little bit, um, because, uh, we took a break from our elk series that I promised we started with the Cody idol, uh, interview to get us kicked off with the elk series, but I had to t- take a week off from it because, um, Uh, the interview that I had planned fell through at at kind of the last minute. And so we had to get that rescheduled, which is totally fine because John Teeter did a great job talking about whitetail property management. And this is the perfect time of year to be getting that work done. Actually, I would say the perfect time of the year to get that done is like February when you aren't sweating to death, but um, nope, still got time to get some of that habitat improvement stuff done. Hangs, hangs, tree stand tree stands hung man i'm struggling tree stands hung and uh, you're still able to uh, get some trail cameras up well of course you know uh, a lot of you are going to wait till the season to do that don't blame you especially if you don't have uh, uh, solar panels to run those and so forth that's kind of what i'm doing and uh, although caleb and i are we're going to go hang stands uh, next week no the 10th so in a couple weeks week and a half and uh we're gonna we're gonna do that and i'm gonna try and have my trail cameras ready to go then too, just get it all in in there be all intrusive once and then get out of there until uh until the season comes around so it's coming fast so alex and uh, elk season's coming even faster because september is when it all starts and yes, alex sir. alex is here to uh Give us what one of the things that he is the absolute best at. He is a gear guru. He tries all kinds of different brands. In fact, that's one of the things I love about Alex is he's not married to one brand. Um, I can tend to be that way. And if you're listening into this, you you can probably tend to be that way too. I would imagine, you know, we get, we find something that works and we're like, you know what, this works. Why fix what ain't broke? Uh, That's a life motto for probably many of us. But, um, you know, it is good to branch out and try because, yeah, it might not be bad, but it could maybe be better. And you find mm-hmm. that in, in another brand or another another uh, cut or another le- type of layer or something like that. And uh, so Alex knows, what would you say, Alex? Have you tried maybe six different major camo brands now? Probably at least four or five, right?
1: Yeah, now, now I'm trying to think. I mean, I've tried, I've tried a lot. I mean, I've I've had pretty much the entire Sickle line. I've had all of Kuyu. I got pretty much everything in Kings. Um, I've had a, a lot of Badlands.
0: Black Ovis. We
1: got, got Black Ovis. Um,
0: uh, have you done boy. any First Light stuff?
1: Um, a couple couple different things from first light i've done i've gotten you know the kind of the major like cabela's bass pro lines that they have to
0: mm-hmm.
1: um some scent lock stuff <clears throat> i mean you name it i've probably tried most of the things out yeah. there
0: and same with um, like oh, packs too right you've done a lot of different packs
1: yeah packs are vital um yeah i got eberly stock to you mystery ranch Um Exo Stone Glacier. I mean
0: Have you done a Kafaru yet?
1: I have not. That's uh that's the next one on the list here. I think I'm gonna snag one to play around with this season. Nice. So I just I I don't want to grab anything because they Kafaru's never put anything on a discount. But I've been seeing more and more stuff now that they partnered with Black Ovis, which also Mm -hmm. tells me that he's got some other stuff coming. So I don't want to actually grab anything until the new line of stuff comes out.
0: Yeah. Yep. No, that, so. makes, that makes sense. But yeah, so Alex has uh, been there, done that with gear. And so he's the perfect guy to consult on this. And it's another good opportunity to remind you that if you are going on a hunt, even if uh, they aren't your client, right, Alex? Like maybe just somebody's listening in and they, they do all their DIY stuff, but they know they need some gear. Would you rent somebody who's not a client?
1: Yeah. I'm, I've done it before. I just, I, I, do video calls with them and, you know, kind of go through what that would look like. And then we plan it out from there. Sure. But, uh, but yeah, I have, I just gotta, you know, my whole thing is I gotta, I gotta work with them in some form or fashion. I won't pick up the phone and be like, yep, i are just gonna take your money. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't operate that way.
0: Yep. That's, so, that's the benefit of having a guy like, uh, Alex in your corner. So, um, get just, just hire them to, to plan your hunts for you. It'll, it'll make, or at least, at least be a resource to, to help you out. Especially, I think the thing that people probably underestimate the most, um, is the power of the waypoints that you, uh, that you provide for people that you're hunt planning, because a lot of guys go in there. I would be this way where, Hey, I saw this one really good looking, uh, national forest or state park or you know somewhere where you can hunt and i know that not all state parks allow that but some do i think and uh mm-hmm. you you uh get there and um you realize wow it looked good to everybody else too and it's totally it's <laughs> totally full and now what you know and but if you have all those waypoints and you have so many you have more options than you could ever hit um in a trip so yeah, yep. um, definitely, definitely get on board with Alex. You can rent gear for him. But what Alex is going to talk to us about tonight is what kind of gear you should be planning to bring for an elk hunt. So, Alex, I'll let you take it away from here, buddy.
1: Well, I appreciate that. I'm going to separate this into seasons. So we're going to, we're going to talk early season and late season, and we're going to kind of leave the middle of the season out there. And what I mean by that is, let's really say excuse me let's really say that we're going to go september to mid-october and then we're going to take mid-october down and the reason is is because i've had some mid-october hunts that i've just gotten pummeled with snow and it's freezing cold so when i'm saying mid-october just think it's late season essentially so so the differences are early season you're really expecting to have weather potentially you know 60s 70s during the day you're going to have you know 30s 40s maybe 50s if you're lucky at night Hmm. so that's going to be a little bit different as far as what gear you're going to take comparatively to an october you know 20th to november 15th style hunt where you could have a lot of snow and you're going to be at you know 20 30 40 degrees maybe at max during the daytime and then at night you're at like 10 5 you know so so have that in your minds as you're kind of listening in on this with that said. So let's kind of go down, you know, step-by-step boots, you know, whatever your boots are, you're probably going to lean into something that's going to be uninsulated. Again, I've tried all kinds of different boots in the, in the earlier season, you can get away with, you know, trail runners, hiking boots, uh, you know, a a boot that's going to be uninsulated per se. You do want it to be waterproof, but you know, you're your Solomon GTXs, your um, Ultras, like any of those boots or kind of six-inch trail shoes, are going to be plenty. I mean, I know people that hike in sneakers because they're so comfortable, and and they, you know, their feet sweat, and and they're opting for that. I don't necessarily recommend that, but if you can get something that's going to be waterproof yeah. and 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 it's comfortable for you like that, you you totally could get away with it. Uh, I'm a big fan you know, of certain lightweight material pants. So, you you know, look at some form of two or four way stretch pant. You You know, I could, I could give you a whole plethora of different things, but you know, if you were to go online and look at some stuff, Eddie Bauer guide pants, the Wrangler ATG pants, uh, the, uh, Kuyu attack pants, any anything like that is going to be great for an early season hunt. It's got stretch, it's light, it has a little bit of insulation to it. It's got a DWR, which is a it's a water repellency, so it's not going to be waterproof, but it will shed water for you. And it's going to be fairly light. So you know, let's let's kind of look at that. You can wear base layers if you want. Again, that's going to be up to you. I would always take some form of a base layer, uh, but base layers come in. You know, shorts, almost like a boxer, they're going to go all the way to your knee if you opt for some, or you can have the full-length pant. Uh, one thing to know, synthetic materials are usually going to be better in the colder weather versus warmer weather. It's merino. A lot of folks don't know that. They would mm. actually do the exact opposite.
0: Yeah, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, a lot of, and, and, and you know, I will say this. Merino has come a long way with the way that it's made and all the technology to it, where now you really could go both rounds. But polyester, if you're wearing like a, a poly shirt and it's hot out, you're going to perspirate. It'll dry out real quick, but you're going to stink. Mm-hmm. And Merino doesn't stink. It, it's got the bacteria killing, you know, uh, aspect to it, which doesn't allow it to grow essentially. So you don't smell Certainly don't smell as fast. You know, you could get away with one or two base layers for a whole you know, week hunt, maybe longer. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're still going to dry out because that heat is going to is going to take that out of the merino. So that's a big one to know. Um, you always need some form of, you know, I'd call it a second layer or an insulation layer for your body. That could be a second base layer or maybe a thicker one. It could be. very thin jacket it could be uh puffy you know i'm always big on base layer outer layer and then you got to have an insulation layer which is a puffy i highly recommend down over polyester just for its packability and its um you know weight Mm -hmm. but it's going to be more expensive so you got to know that however there's plenty of stuff out there that if you can spend you know a 100 bucks it's going to be way better than uh, going real cheapo on a synthetic for 20.
0: Yeah.
1: So something to keep in mind there, you know, your gloves, your hats, stuff like that. You really don't need necessarily a ton of it. I I do like a beanie or I do like some form of a, like they're called boonie hats. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that just because it does take some, some sun off your head. And then when you're glassing, you got that brim, so you can kind of block out some of that sunlight. But uh, again, you get away with a little bit less, walking trekking poles are a big deal never forget those especially as you're as you're going up and down it takes a lot of weight off of your knees Mm -hmm. uh what else backpack right your pack your pack is something that's going to be very sentimental to you because of how it fits so not every pack fits well that's why i've tried out so many packs some packs just don't fit me well uh, and it has nothing to do with like the sizing necessarily. It's, it's really a lot into the hip belt and it's a lot with just how the frame is built. So, you know, I, I actually prefer something a little bit more sturdy or less moldable in a sense versus mm-hmm. something that's loose. Um,
0: more of that full frame feel.
1: Yeah. Like I've really been sticking. I like the, I, I've been using that Everly stock F1 mainframe, uh, quite a bit and uh you know comparatively to like an exo um stone glacier and even even the kuyu there's there's more like side sway to them Mm -hmm. which some people like because they feel like it's moving i feel like it's giving them momentum. yeah i I can't describe it to me it's like if i'm going left it's shifting left but by the time it gets to that left side i'm shifting right so i always feel like it's kind of like
0: you're counteracting opposite of main,
1: it. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. So that F1 mainframe just, it just sticks and, um, you know, and I upgraded the shoulder pads and the hip belt and now it, it's, it's, it's pretty solid with some weight in it. So, but anyways, um, you know, the different things with packs too, I'm talk a little bit on packs just because it's, it, there's a lot to it. You know, everything's going to have some form of a frame. If you get a modular system, the cool part about that is, you know, if you first jump in and you buy something that's, you know, these packs are expensive. You know, they're three, four, five, six thousand dollars. You know, depending on what you're getting, Um you're, you're hundred dollars,
0: you pay... right? Not thousand dollars, hundred dollars, three, four, five, six hundred dollars, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, I guess I was saying three, four, five, six hundred dollars, or up to a thousand. You know, what I mean, okay, you could yep, like yep, spend a thousand bucks on a Kafaro. So, so so if
0: you just uh you know like had a mild heart attack there don't worry it's not that expensive it's it's not cheap but it's not, it's yeah. not in maybe edit
1: that out huh? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no we'll just let people freak so, out for a second <laughs> so
1: yeah but but you know that's that's the reality to it and i'm a big proponent of buying used stuff or people you know renting it and kind of figure out what you like mm-hmm. because you know you might get a pack on you and you're just like god i, I just didn't like this pack you know so for you to spend you know six seven hundred bucks on it you don't like it yeah You know that's kind of tough so uh, with that the modularity is really what you're paying for you're gonna get a frame that's really the kind of the the big cost to it Mm
0: -hmm. but then
1: you can buy essentially any bag in that frame system and you can swap them out from you know two three thousand cubic inches to you know 7,000 cubic inches and you then now you kind of have that pack that always fits you but you could just put a different bag on it Mm -hmm. and you're not changing anything then in the sense of how it fits you. And I think that's a really, really big thing that folks should know. Uh, with that, you know, let's kind of jump into, you know, the little tiny gear items that you're going to need. Uh, let's, let's call them inside your pack, right? Anything that's going to be inside your pack. One of them that's going to be inside your pack is going to be your sleeping pad. Sleeping pads. I don't really know why you would ever want a sleeping pad that's not heavily insulated. It just doesn't Mm -hmm. make sense to me. Uh, But I get it. You know, they're cheaper. So if you're going to go for some kind of cheaper pad, it's going to be a lower R value. Think of like retention value in a sense. So I always think weight retention when I think of R value. But essentially that R value is the higher that number is, the more heat it's going to retain. Uh, And basically what it's doing is it's not allowing your heat to get into the ground because the ground will suck you cold in a sense at night. So to me, to spend an extra 50 bucks, but to get something that's an R value of four or five, you know, I think that's huge in that sense. And uh, you don't have to then worry about having another pad. Just use that same pad all the time. Mm -hmm. So there's plenty of pads out there. I would say one of the more affordable options that a lot of people get there, it's called climate insulated static V. I mean, you could pick that thing up for 60, 70 bucks. It does a good job. It's not the best thing on the market by any means, but for 90% of people it will do a really good job. And then you can get into, you know, some, some higher end uh, options as well. So, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of plan 70 to uh, 150 bucks if you were to get a good pad realistically. Uh, now we're jumping to sleeping bags. So sleeping bags, you know, here's, here's the difference of a September hunt to a November hunt. It can be less expensive for somebody if they're going on an archery hunt comparatively to a rifle hunt, because that, that earlier season, you can get away with less, you know, temperature rating, meaning a bag that's going to be 40 or 30 degrees rated, even if it's down is potentially going to be a hundred Two hundred dollars less than a bag that's going to be made for zero or negative fifteen degree. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's a big thing to know. Uh, the other thing is don't stay away, don't uh, steer away from quilts. I know that kind of freaks some people out, but quilts are awesome. You can shave some weight with them. You don't really need feathers on your back when you're up against a pad because they get smushed and they have no retention value whatsoever. As far as your point. Sheet.
0: that's an interesting point. Yeah, so point. think of
1: like your bag, the whole back piece of your bag gets cut out essentially. So now you're not carrying that, that out. And then, you know, you can put more down in the baffles in the front you wrap yourself up in it and you basically still have a sleeping bag. It's just, it's just, I I can't describe it. It kind of has like little bungees that cinch around your your back and you're still up against the pad. And what's
0: the, what's that company really like? They're out of Michigan, aren't they? The company that you you use a lot, Moose something.
1: Yeah. I like uh, yeah, it's UGQ.
0: Oh, UGQ, UGQ okay.
1: quilts. Yeah, you can custom make quilts. There's another company called El Coyote or El Coyote. They're out of Arizona. They do the same thing. Hmm. Um, What's the, the one, other ones? Isn't there light-
0: one? Isn't there one with a moose for like their logo or their name or something? Like moose jaw or something like that, maybe.
1: Well, no, that's a uh, that's a company. Like that's a company that sells like retail stuff.
0: Okay, maybe that's what I was thinking of then. Yeah. I think, I think maybe you showed me that somebody, they were, maybe they were selling quilts on there or something, maybe. But uh, another guy I that, remember, re- another guy that really likes quilts is another Alex that's been on this podcast a few times. He's kind of a gear junkie, more from the just camping side. He does, he hunts, but he mostly just camps all over the country. And uh-huh. uh, he really likes quilts too. Uh, he's a big fan of those for winter camping. So, so he, uh, agrees with, he agrees with this Alex, as far as, uh, the, the power of the quilt goes.
1: Yeah. And I'm, I'm a fan of it. I, I think, you know, again, it's all based on how you feel, you know, some people hate mummy bags because they feel claustrophobic inside mm-hmm. of them, you know? So, you know, if that's you, you might really, really like a quilt where other people are going to look at it and say, no way I want to get in a quilt because I just, I feel like I'm going to be cold, you know, and I could, I can tell you from experience, you don't experience that whatsoever if you, you know, if you're using it right. Yeah. Um, but anyways, you know, as far as that goes, you know, your, your quilt, your sleeping bag, all that plays a role into it. If you don't have a compression sack, that is super, super important, especially for your sleeping bag. You want to make that thing as small as possible and get all the air out. However, I will preface this. You only want to do that while you're taking it on your hunt. You don't want your bag in the cinch bag forever. You're going to damage it. So it's just while you're packing, but you literally could take like my quilt, for example, if I put it in a little compression sack, it's, it's literally the size of a a Nalgene bottle. Mm. So, you know, and it weighs like one, one pound, four ounces. You know, so we're 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 not talking a lot of weight. Yeah. So so that's a big one. The other one now you dive into the other factor of September versus November. You're you're going to get away with a three season tent versus a four season tent. Not that you can't use a three season tent potentially in October or November, but the thing is, you know, the here's the difference of a three season versus a four season tent. A three season tent. If you ever look at the the fly on a tent, you're going to see that that fly does not go all the way to the ground. So the fly is basically the cover, right? Think of if you got mm-hmm. a double-sided or a double wall tent, you're going to have kind of the inner meshing screen. And then you're going to have the cover. Well, the cover never is going to go all the way to the ground. It's going to be, you know, two, three, four inches off of the ground and around. You're just going to see the bottom of your bathtub of your inside floor. Mm-hmm. That's for airflow, so you don't get condensation. However, when it's five degrees out, you're going to say, forget the freaking, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, air travel in there because yeah. it keeps you cold. So what ends up happening is there's more material. It's usually a little bit thicker. It's going to go all the way to the to the ground, or sometimes it'll go to the ground and actually get level with the ground, and you can put rocks on it or snow or whatever you want. That will insulate your temperature inside that tent more, and that's why it's a four-season tent okay so yes that's a big one so you can get away with a three season tent they're lighter they're cheaper and and for september it's perfect so you know tents again i i could give you varying tents but uh some of my favorites i like the i like the kings the xkg tent i like the kuyu mountain star that's a really good one big agnes tiger wall uh you got the hubba bubba from msr that's a really good tent And then you can also jump into some of the teepees. So teepee tents are a option that'll give you actually three or four season opportunities. So what that means is if you've ever seen a teepee, think of like an A-frame style, fully circular tent. Hopefully I described it well to you uh, (laughs) with, with, with voice there. But essentially you just have a center pole and then you just got one line of fabric all the way around. So that would be a single walled shelter. The positive is it's lighter and you know, it, it does go all the way to the ground in a sense and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. The, the, the thing that some people don't like, or they think something is wrong with the tent. It, you condensate in it. So when you're sleeping, that water really has nowhere to go. So if you actually had a bathtub to it and it wasn't open floored, that water is going to start building up in that tent and mm. sweat and your body heat. and, and that's kind of the catch twenty two of a single walled shelter. Now, if you if you opt for that, just just know there's nothing wrong with the tent, especially like you know you're gonna sit there and go, well, how do I got water in my tent And it didn't rain? Yeah. Well, that's what it is, right? Because the temperature mm-hmm. outside might be thirty degrees, but then inside it might be fifty because you're breathing hot air and that 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 condensation. Vapor it's trapped hit, in there.
0: yeah. That vapor hits that cooler surface and collects as a uh, liquid.
1: <laughs> exactly. So you know, like for example, seek outside. You know, they have they have quite a few different tents. Uh We'll use the Cimarron, for example. You know, that's that that's a floorless shelter. So you know, there's there's no bottom to it. So if it's condensating inside, it's going to go on the grass. You're never going to see it, but if you had a single wall tent and uh, it has a bottom bottom, and everything is connected, you're going to guaranteed wake up in the morning and there's going to be a pool of water sitting in that thing from mm. however it's angled, you know? Sure. So, so something to know there, but you know, that's an option too for you as far as, you know, gear goes for, for an alcon like that Do, personally.
0: Does the stove take care of the condensation issue if you had the stove going in there just because it heats up that fabric enough to where... It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't con condensate.
1: It helps drastically.
0: Okay, good to know.
1: Yeah, because if you put that little if you put that little um, heater in there, you know, it could get it. You know, if, if it feels like you're going to get heated out of the darn thing <laughs> after after it's on, you know, it's like seventy five degrees in there and you're just <laughs> boiling. Yeah, so it's a good problem so, to have so, if you're frozen.
0: <laughs> is, well, yeah, and that leads me to another idea. I never thought of this. Could somebody get by then if they're planning to have a stove? Could they get by with bringing a cooler season, uh, sleeping bag or quilt?
1: Yeah, they can. That's a that's a good one. Uh, however, like most of those those little stoves, like you got to constantly stoke those, like on okay. the hour.
0: So you're not so, getting a good night's sleep then.
1: Yeah, so like for me, again, the hot tents are great, but at some point you got to call it on like you know, if you're hunting with a buddy, uh, do you guys take turns every two hours of who's stoking that fire? Or are you just like, forget it. I'm staying in my sleeping bag and I'm sleeping cause I'm not getting up.
0: Right, right. You know?
1: So for me, you know, again, I, I like the hot tents, but for me, it's like, once I'm in my bag, I'm not getting out of my bag Yeah. and, and I'm not waking up. I want to sleep. So, you know, to me, I guess I'll, I'll forgive the, the hot part of it on a cold season hunt and just be in a in a warmer bag and if i have to i'll put on my puffies my down puffy and my down jacket
0: mm-hmm. and that
1: thing i'll just add even more temp rating to me and you know at that point i'm in like a negative 30 degree bag
0: yeah all you know, right <laughs>
1: I'll, I'll i'll be i'll be okay you know yep so you know for the most part i would say that takes through some of the basics uh what else would you have in your pack well you're gonna have uh, some form of optics in a sense so spotting scopes mm-hmm. i don't think spotting scopes are a must have i know they're really popular i get a ton of requests for them for, for rentals i would probably say they're probably the most rented product that i have mm. so i think i think they're i think they're cool and people like them and they do have their advantage to it but if if you're not counting tines or you're just you're not a you're not trophy hunting and and you're in your hunting elk for example i mean you could get away with not having one i'm not telling you you have to have one or not i'm just saying like if you're really trying to think about weight or saving money or whatever it is um you know for me it's weight it's not on the money factor like i will forgo some of those things because it's not necessarily necessary on a, yeah. on a mule deer hunt i definitely like having a spotting scope they're they're a smaller animal sometimes you can't make out their their horns and you can't really tell their size because of their background or how far they are it's definitely advantageous to have one but you know a big bull elk that's like you know three four times the size of it and you could you can measure it up a lot better
0: yeah yeah definitely. so so that's yeah, important. good point I,
1: you i mean you rented a um
0: yeah we rented, rented a spotter a Yep, and we used it some, but yeah, we we Rasty and I decided we were like, you know, <clears throat> I think binos were were, were just more practically uh, advantageous, you know, just because you could have them right there on your chest, took one less thing out of your pack, and that's just what we ended up using most of the time because we had to cover so much ground, you know. Totally. And now ours was also a bear hunt instead of an elk hunt, so we weren't counting tines. However. Let's say we saw a bear and we weren't sure if it was a male or a female and uh you needed to see if there were cubs hanging around or something, you know, then that could be, you know, really important then. But also, Alex, you ran out, if I remember correctly, you have some fifteen power binos that you ran out and yeah. um I think something with that level of magnification would probably would probably suit that purpose too, don't you think? uh counting tines or checking for cubs
1: yeah i mean that's kind of the toss-up right some folks don't like spotters so they're Mm going to opt for like a 15 18 or 20 power binocular so you know again it's all preference but just kind of talking through it you know it's nice to have something that's for longer range Mm -hmm. glassing and something for i would say a little bit shorter range glassing so you know the other one some folks really like a spotter because they get to put their phone scope to it and they get to video what yeah, they're doing you that's know true
0: or so, just look at a phone screen instead of you know staring through a staring through a lens you know people get get what do they call that eye uh, scope eye or something like that where yeah, uh, your eye you get
1: eye fatigue
0: yeah eye fatigue that's what it is just from staring you know for a, a, a hunt that requires a lot of glassing you know the phone scope deal can be a uh, a nice little, nice little, uh, thing to give you like almost a monitor to look at while you're, while you're glassing.
1: Yeah. And, and that, and that I love, you know, so like I'm a big proponent of that. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's just nice to look at a phone screen versus, you know, being in that, in that, uh, eyepiece the whole time. So, right. So anyways, you know, that's a big one. Binoculars, that is a must-have, not an option. You better have binoculars, and if, I would say have some decent glass. Mm-hmm. the The other one that goes with that is a is a tripod. Huge believer yeah. in in having a tripod and putting your binoculars on there and and mm-hmm. let the thing be steady. Yeah. Um, a you know the other one that I guess goes along with that is a, some kind of a binocular harness. So whether it's you had a harness that just holds your binoculars on your chest and they're free or you have something that actually you put them you put your binoculars inside the harness right it's like a like a little pouch yep that's a that's a big one and then you usually can have a range finder pouch attached to it so that way you can put your range finder right next to your binoculars there that's a good one mm-hmm. and you know I, I think that's for the most part those are all your must-haves you will need I will add this. You will need some form of adapter for your binoculars to connect to your tripod. So that's usually some form of attachment system. There's a ton of them out there. Now the outdoorsman attachment system has been like the, the jam, the best thing out there. Mm-hmm. But a lot of companies are, I, th- I think their patent must've run out or something. Cause all of a sudden, like last year, every company came out with a version of it. So now mm-hmm. there's like four different companies out with them. So, you know, again, you can find it. Vortex has one. Outdoors ones has one. Uh, There's some cheapo versions on Amazon you can find. Like any of those things will suffice for the most part. And then you have like a little piece that will screw into your binocular. So your binocular will have like a quarter 20 thread somewhere in the back of the hinge. You're going to unscrew that and you're going to screw in this little piece. It's going to be some kind of like a little it's almost like a little nipple essentially that's like mm-hmm. a male female attachment and it'll attach to your actual adapter and then now it's not it's not free meaning they don't move left and right but if you pick up your tripod and walk around with it your binoculars are not going to fly off they're connected to yeah. it
0: yep. yeah 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 it's pretty nice
1: it is that, that that thing's super nifty so i'm i'm big on that uh your weapon obviously that's a big one in archery season you know it's it's not necessarily that it's lighter per se i guess it can be just depending on how much ammo you're carrying but yeah, you know your bow your bow is going to be lighter you know i think my bow is like four and a half pounds and give or take i think i have four arrows on there so you know we're talking five pounds versus you know a 10 pound yeah. rifle for right. example
0: right yeah big difference there yeah for sure yep. <clears throat> and um, probably a rangefinder too, right? You don't want to have a rangefinder, especially for archery. But I would even say for if you're, I mean, I think all of us, if you've done enough hunting with, with scoped weapons at, you know, for like deer or something like that back here in the Midwest, you get a pretty good idea what 100, 150 yards looks like. But, you know, anything out past that. You know, I think a rangefinder is probably a must too. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Yeah, definitely bring a rangefinder. That's a that's a must-have for sure. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's uh, let's move forward here. Any other gear that I uh, that I bring? You need some form of a knife. I'm a fan of the exchangeable blade knives that you can get now. Yeah. So awesome. those are those are good. Uh, Havalon, Outdoor Edge, uh, Gerber. I mean, they all make stuff now. Mm-hmm. Uh, i'm I'm big on some form of glassing seat some kind of butt pad sell you, yeah. sh- should you call it so it could be a piece of foam it could be an actual little chair whatever whatever tickles your fancy there but have something for your butt um i do carry a solar charger so a lot of people always ask oh, how do you charge all your electronics your cameras all that other stuff i have a charging like a solar charging pad it folds up and it's got like four panels And then I have a 20,000, like, milliamp uh, portable battery charger. So, essentially, like, I will carry that thing. It'll charge my phone, I think, seven times or so. Mm -hmm. And then I'll leave stuff at camp that's charging on that pad. And then vice versa. You know, when I get to camp, then I will charge my stuff up. So, So, I have a system in play, but I highly recommend a solar charger. It's, like, a pound. I think it's 17 ounces that I have. It was 50 or 60 bucks. Nothing crazy. Yeah. And, uh, and then you got to have a battery pack that's going to, you know, hold hold juice for you while you're out yep. in the woods.
0: Yep, definitely um, a must.
1: Very much so. Um, I always have a wind checker. I always have some form of uh, water purifier filter. Um, I like the, it's called the Katadyn Hiker. It's perfectly, it, it's good. It's like 13 ounces. What I really like about it, here's something with, with um, water hydration filters if you have if you get a filter that has a ceramic insert to filter your water it's a really good product however here's where it gets kind of hairy if you take it into this into the september time frames you're probably not experiencing you know weather where it's freezing so you can get away with that mm mm-hmm. In the in the November time frames, what sucks about it is if, if that thing freezes, it's gonna crack the ceramic and then you're not gonna realize it, then you're gonna go pump water and you're not filtering your water. Yep. That's where you get sick. So yep. the the Katadyn hiker is not ceramic. It's a it's like a it's it's like a cloth material to it. So that's why I actually opt for that. It's not the greatest filter on the planet, but it does filters everything out and you know, yeah. your water's safe 99.9%. So
0: yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's a good little tip for everybody there.
1: Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a big one. That a lot of folks don't know about uh, game bags. You definitely need to have some game bags. I uh, have, you know, I, have, I always put charging cables and so on and so forth and then uh, have a satellite mass messenger. That's a huge one. Mm. In reach is very, very important nowadays. Yep. You know, I know, Back in the day people didn't have them and I, I get all that but that's something where peace of mind and being able to text the family at home telling them you're safe every night that's a that's yep. a that's a must-have
0: yep for sure yeah.
1: um cook kit you know you can find all kinds of stuff I like a jet boil or a uh, uh, I like a jet boil or I like a little titanium cup with like a MSR pocket rocket or a, I think it's whatever these little tiny stoves you know they would barely weigh anything yeah and some propane fuel you really can't go wrong with anything i don't really cook anything i just warm up water and pour it into my mountain house or my peak refuel or whatever it is Mm -hmm. and uh last but not least you know gabby always gotta have some toilet paper
0: that's right right some dude wipes
1: (laughs) gotta have some dude wipes yeah so so some unscented baby wipes yes some uh, some toilet paper, a little first aid bag of some sort, and you need a headlamp, yeah. and then you know your like toothbrush and stuff like that. And, and uh, if I was to add anything on top of it, and again, this is more preference. If you want to have water bottles, or you want to have a platypus, or some kind of water bladder, that's your call. Um, yeah, your your water bladder essentially is a it's a catch twenty two. I like a water bladder for the earlier seasons september to mid-october you're not getting freezing cold weather at night once you start getting the freezing cold weather your bladder is going to freeze your hose is going to freeze and then it's it's very difficult to get water so i'd kind of tell you i'd opt more towards the water bottles in the later part of the season but again Mm. that's that's all up to preference there so so the things that i would change if you go into the four season stuff you know that the, the temps that go down you need more clothes you know you're going to need more layers Yep. you're going to need you know rain gear is essential in both but you know you're probably going to opt in for maybe some thicker rain gear uh, you're going to maybe need an insulated jacket a puffy and you're going to have your soft shell so again there you're going to add so, so just kind of know those later seasons are going to require more clothes you're going to require some form of hot tent or a four season tent. that's going to retain more heat. And then, you know, the changes of like your water bladder and if you're filtering, you know, kind of look at those things. Those are probably your biggest changes that are going to impact your hunt that you might, you know, not think about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think the other one that's that plays a role is your fuel, you know, that that butane fuel that you get for your cooking You know, those, those you got to shake up and you got to keep them warm, you know, because what ends up happening is the, the temperature kind of condenses the fuel in there and then it just doesn't burn well. So, you know, you're going to, you're going to mess around with stuff and kind of figure all that stuff out. But for the most part, just know you're going to have to spend more money on clothes. You're going to probably have a little bit of a heavier pack and you're going to need a more beefy tent for, for the fourth season stuff. You know, that's that's the biggest component that I would say you're going to, you're going to need to add if you're going to hunt the later seasons.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, that's some great information. I think if you tuned into this episode, you're already way ahead of the game as far as uh, knowing what you need to buy. And, uh, you know, it's another good reminder, uh, both Alex and I, we partner with, uh, black Ovis and I think Alex does with camel fire, but I'm not sure, but if not, I mm-hmm. definitely do. Yep. So we yep. both do. So, uh, um, just to, Great chance to remind you of what an awesome resource that is. They have so much gear on there for great prices. Um, we've we actually had Kendall on this podcast probably getting close to two years ago now, Alex. But um, just a great guy, great uh, people over there. Um, I've dealt a lot with Marcus, who's uh, works for for uh, both companies. I believe he's awesome, and uh, you can get just everything you need. And what I love about the website is the reviews are really helpful. They're not just, you know, stupid reviews like you find on a lot of other websites. They're people that are using this stuff in the back country and they're telling you what they think. And yeah. they, they have demo videos with like a lot of the products. You yeah. Know, they they go through and they show you how it's supposed to work, what the features are. So, you know what you're getting when you buy it. So Definitely check out Black Ovis um or Camo Fire and you can find links for both of those in the show notes or in my link tree in my bio. And I think Alex, you have a link tree on your bio as well, correct? That people can can find your affiliate links.
1: Yeah, the, yeah, I, I got all kinds of stuff there. You know, one of the big ones that have that I've been posting is um uh I, I have a I have a guide fitter account. They've done a nice job of actually putting all my gear lists together. Oh, so nice. If you go, if you go there, you can actually see a bunch of different gear lists for different seasons and so on and so forth. So either, or, I mean, they're, they're all awesome, but, uh, you know, I think you, I think you hit an important part, you know, stuff that's discounted or on sale, like black Ovis in camouflage, like you're going to find stuff that's either their brand or you're going to find stuff that's on a promotion, right? Like yep. the Merino layers, you're going to find it for like 50% off.
0: Yep. Those Merino
1: layers, I'm, I'm telling you, I, and I swear, they have to be made in the exact same place as like 10 other companies' Merino layers because huh, I have five different ones, and they all fit exactly the same. They have the same stitching. It's the same fabric, the same everything.
0: Wow. So So it's like, what's, what's good there is good everywhere is what you're saying.
1: It, yeah. Like, you know, if you're going to go buy, like, I have Mountain Ops uh merino layers and and then I have Black ovis merino layers and I have Badlands merino layers aside from my Mountain Ops one having a little kangaroo pocket in the, in the stomach it's mm-hmm. exactly the same in the same measurements and everything as mm. the Black ovis stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. So you know, so at some point you got to kind of call that of like what's more important to you like you know, are you going to spend a 100 bucks cuz you like one brand or are you going to spend 50 cuz it's the same freaking thing. Yeah. So yeah. So buy stuff used, buy it on sale. You know, you can, you can, you can put a package of stuff together for a lot less than you think. Yep. And um, you don't need camo. I can't stress that enough. You know, if you need to buy something that's Brown or green versus camouflage, it it's
0: perfectly fine. Yep. It'll work just fine. Yep. Great, great words of advice and wisdom there from Alex And again, you can rent gear from him. Uh, So make sure you do so. Please remember this podcast is presented by Spartan Forge. Spartan Forge will help you with your mapping needs. And as we get closer to deer season, uh, that's really what their main focus is, is helping whitetail hunters. And uh, as far as the deer behavior prediction side of the app's capabilities, that is second to none. It's incredible. You can see Alex use that on his YouTube channel, uh, with, uh, um, his hunt that he did in Kansas last year. And, uh, part two is now out. So make sure you guys tune into that one. Uh, Alex does a phenomenal job shooting those and just explaining the process and a lot of great action, good footage. So make sure you check those out. Another good reminder that he is a, another sponsor of the show. Um, go to eastwesthunts.com and, uh, I, I just, just do the hunt plan with him. Okay. You can take care of all your, your own tag apps and stuff like that if you really want to, but do your hunt planning with Alex. Your chances of having a successful hunt are just so much better, so much better. And, um, even if you're like a really experienced hunter, I mean, who is not better off when they have someone to bounce ideas off of, you know, um, none of us know everything and, uh, it's, it's good to have that second voice of reason, uh, to be able to, uh, uh, consult and, uh, figure things out with, so. Talk to Alex, use the promo code FIRSTGEN10, you'll save yourself 10%. So tell him when you talk to him, tell him that you heard it here on this podcast and you'll get those savings. And then uh, another sponsor, a newer sponsor to the show is Old Barn Taxidermy. Uh, They are amazing. They are artists. They do work um, all over the place. They actually used to have a branch out in uh, Colorado, but um, I was talking to Sam, the owner, and he said it just got to be uh, too much for him to, to be traveling back between Iowa and Colorado all the time doing work. And uh, uh, But um, if you needed to get it to Old Barn, you could get it to Old Barn. You could mail it to them or whatever you need to do, ship it to them. They'll, they'll get it. They will take care of you. They uh, like I said, they're artists. are they are a, they are a, a top to do, a top to bottom service there and' um, uh, they've, they've done it all so they you know they aren't scared of what you send them. So they're, they're the real deal. Make sure you go there and tell them when you do that I sent you. Um, that is uh, uh, you know a huge help to me when you do that so they know that they're doing the right thing by partnering with this podcast. So again, Old Barn Taxidermy, they're located in Fort Madison, Iowa. Check them out on Instagram and uh, Facebook. And uh, then when it comes time, uh, give them a call. You can find their website and uh, uh, get your trophy sent to them and they'll they'll do it right for you so well thank you so much alex for coming in tonight and doing this i hope everyone listening in is inspired to uh keep pursuing those elk dreams i know i am and uh we'll uh, continue rolling with our elk series here uh very soon Uh, we got some really good people that are going to come on the show that have uh, a lot of great experience hunting elk out west so We will talk to them soon. And until next time, take care and take someone hunting.